I was probably about in junior high, we had to figure out a game to play during the winter because, well, it was the winter. Normally, we were used to going outside, my friends and I play sports, ride our bikes around town, whatever. So, you know, you can't exactly do that in the winter, so we had to figure out what to do. And so we came up with this game in my parents' basement that we would play when it was evening, when, you know, the sun went down, and we just, for lack of a better term, we just called it dark. So basically, we'd shut out all the lights in the basement, and then one person would be it, they'd start upstairs, and everybody would hide in when it hide throughout the basement where it's pitch black, and, uh, and then they'd have to find them. And then, you know, as we, we got to, you got to have a little fun with it, you would try to, like, mess with the person without giving away your position too much. So, right, like chucking a teddy bear across the basement and trying hitting them, or, you know, grabbing them, or making them laugh without giving away, you know, your own position, whatever you could do. So, but for the person that was it, it was interesting because you had to basically learn how to feel your way out through the dark, right? You, you couldn't see barely anything. Every now and then, like a street light, light would kind of come in, but it was for all intents and purposes, pitch black. And you had to feel your way through the dark. And uh, I, of course, had home, home court advantage because I knew the basement and so I wasn't running into things, but, but it was this whole thing, like it was dark and then once the lights would turn back on, right? Once somebody got found, they would be it. And then the lights would come on, you could see again. So this kind of like idea of feeling our way through the dark was so much a part of this, of this game. And I don't know, fortunately, unfortunately, it also has become, it becomes part of our light, our life. Because this, this gospel that we just heard is all about this interplay between light and dark. And Jesus sets it up right at the start of the gospel. Before he even goes to this man and heals him, he says, night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He says he's, he's the light of the world. And you think like he's just going to be on display, illuminating, radiant Jesus in the gospel. And it's one of the ways that we approach the gospels and whether we, we like listen to them and as we read them is just to watch Jesus. To see what Jesus does in the gospels, to see how he acts, to see how he treats other people, to see how he behaves. But something interesting happens when we watch Jesus in this gospel. If we try to watch the one who's the light of the world, he disappears. He just kind of vanishes in the gospel today. Because you look like, so this, this guy is born blind. He's sitting there and the disciples start asking like, who's sin? Whose fault is it that he's born blind? And he says, well, you know, it's not his parents. It's so that God can be glorified. And so Jesus comes up to him make some spits on the ground to make some clay. First of all, I don't know how much spit it takes to turn dirt into clay, but I'll find out at some point, probably give it a try. But anyway, so he turns it into clay and puts it in his eyes. And, uh, but he, the guy can't quite see yet. The guy is still blind. So he says, go to the pool there and wash, and then you'll be able to see. First of all, how did the guy get to the pool? Was it just like that close? Or did he have a friend lead him? Or did he know the town enough that even though he was blind, he could feel his way out through there? Whatever happened, he makes it there. And when he's able to see, Jesus isn't there, right? It's not like the first thing he sees is the shining face of God, like like the transfiguration or just the Lord looking at him lovingly. He's not there. And then what happens, what would seem to me if I was this man would be incredibly frustrating, would just be absolutely Terrible. Not only is Jesus nowhere to be found, then people start to question him. 
They say, well, what happened? He said, well, this guy put, I think it was Jesus, put dirt on my eyes or clay, and now I can see. Wait a minute. It's the Sabbath. Why did he do this on the Sabbath? I don't know, man. Like, uh, who is this guy? Well, he's a prophet. And he just starts getting questions so much. They ask him what happened. And they keep asking him and say, well, how did he do this? Why did he do this? Is he a sinner? I don't know if he's a sinner. But then they're not satisfied with that answer. They put Jesus, they've pressured him, or this man, they've, they've questioned him. That's not enough. Let's go get his parents, right? Let's go ask his parents, was your son actually blind from birth? How did this happen? Ask him. Yes, he was blind from birth. And, and then they ask the parents and then... Well, then that's not enough. And so then let's go get the guy again. And the Pharisees bring this guy back and they say, well, how did this happen? He's like, dude, I told you already. Why are you still questioning me? And then the guy gets a little sarcastic with him and he says, well, do you want to be his disciples? Is that why you're asking? Like, no, we don't want to be his disciples. They get so frustrated with him, they kick him out of the synagogue. Why did they kick him out of the synagogue? He didn't do anything. He was just born blind and now he can see. Picture yourself as this man. And maybe I was a little overdramatic there, I don't know. But picture yourself. It would just be incredibly demoralizing, incredibly frustrating. Not only is Jesus gone, he's nowhere to be found. He can't just show up and say, yeah, I, I did that, that was me. And the, the Pharisees just go bonkers, and they're just absolutely unreasonable. They ask him, they bring his parents into this whole thing, this whole, like, situation. And then they kick him out of the synagogue. And you think of this man born blind like, I thought this was going to be a good day when I received my sight, but things really haven't gone great. Things are kind of dark. And Jesus isn't here. And it's almost like he has to feel his way through the dark, even though he can see now, without our Lord. That our Lord seemed to be there, right? He can see. It's a great day. I can't see and now I can. And then all of a sudden it's like, this is madness. This is ridiculous. This is unbelievable. Why has everybody got to be so harsh? And it's almost like he's just left out in the dark. And he's got to figure his way out through the dark. And it's a great, it's a great gospel for us because we find ourselves like this from time to time. We're sure that Jesus is there. He shows up. We see his goodness. We experience his kindness, his mercy. He lifts our blindness, whatever that may be. And then where'd he go? And then people start getting harsh, right? Maybe people question us. People put us, put our feet to the fire. And then our whole family gets drawn into things like this guy's parents. And then we get kicked out from someplace. We're like, I, I thought this was going to be a good thing. And we just like, where did God go? I thought he was here. I felt like I was so close to him. And now all of a sudden it's just madness. It's just crazy. But you look at it as this guy goes through this. As he goes through all of this, he grows. And you see this in his questions, or in the responses he gives. Because first, they ask him what happens. And he just says, the man Jesus did this. All right, Jesus is a man. All right, that, we can work with that answer. But then they ask, well, what do you think of him? And he says, he's a prophet. That's better. Jesus is speaking prophetically, more than just a man. And then when they bring him back, they say, who are, who, who is this guy? And he says, well, I told you already. Do you want to be his disciples? Like he's a rabbi. So do you want to be his disciples? But then the good news at the end of all of this, 
Guess who suddenly shows up again? The light of the world walks back into his life. Jesus Christ shows up and he doesn't recognize him because he's never seen him before. He says, do you believe in the son of man? And he says, who is he so that I can worship him? Not, he's not just a prophet. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just some man. But now he knows he's God who he wants to worship. And he's grown a lot through this darkness, through the pressure, through the harshness, through the difficulties. He's grown up and now he's ready to see the light of the world in a deeper way. And that, of course, is what our Lord does for us. As it feels like sometimes it's dark, we don't know what's going on. It seems like things are hard, people can be harsh. We don't know where the Lord went. We grow up. We're able to see God in a deeper way. We're able to experience him in a more profound way. And when he shows up, there's the light. And we know it's time to worship him. It's time to praise him. It's time to give him absolutely every moment of our life. Once the lights come back on. But we have to walk through the dark. We have to like stumble and feel our way when it feels like our Lord's there so that we can see him in a better way, so that we can see him in a deeper way when the lights come back on. This Sunday is one of the, the two Sundays of the year that we get to bust out the, uh, the pink vestments, rose, or somebody last night called them salmon, and that sounded a little bit more masculine for some reason, but... But one of the re- things that these rose pink vestments symbolize is the rising sun. If we get a good sunrise, the whole sky, the, whole, the clouds just illuminate with a pink hue. And it's just absolutely beautiful. And that pink sky symbolizes that the sun is about ready to rise. And so a couple weeks before Easter, we wear this color to symbolize to everybody that the Lord is about ready to rise from the dead. And so we can have a bit of hope so that we can be re-strengthened in our Lenten resolve so that if we're experiencing that darkness, if we feel like we're just stumbling through the dark at this point of our lives, this Sunday in the pink symbolizes to us, hang on, hang in there. He's about ready to rise from the dead. Strengthen, as, as the, the Bible says, strengthen your weak knees and your weary hearts because the Lord is about ready to come. And that's the signal for us on this fourth Sunday of, of Lent that our Lord is about ready to rise from the dead. And if we feel like we're stumbling through the dark to hang in there because he's coming, he's coming as the light of the world on Easter Sunday to illuminate the darkness. So maybe we just have to figure out how to walk through the dark until the lights come back on. And it's this Sunday that we get a little glimpse of hope, a little reminder that he's on his way, that we're about ready to experience the joy and the light of Easter Sunday.